Welcome to The God Solution, a place where we discuss solid evidence for the Christian faith and interviews with leading Christian apologists. Each week, you'll be encouraged in your faith and equipped to defend it and share it in your daily life. You can find out more about The God Solution at GodSolutionShow.com. Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm so excited that you're listening again today. Well, we've had some great interviews lately. I hope you've been enjoying them. If you've missed any of them, or if you just want to hear them again, go to GodSolutionShow.com. Again, that's GodSolutionShow.com. And look at our past shows tab. You'll find interviews with all sorts of incredible guests that we've had in the past. Uh, So don't miss it. It's going to be great. Again, Grant is on vacation this week, so he's not in the studio with me. I uh, hope that you'll pray that he would be able to survive his time in paradise. So anyway, I miss Grant, and I'm glad to have him on the show, but you'll have to just get me today. And as I've been thinking about what I would talk about today, I didn't want to dive into an apologetical topic. We're going to have tons of those throughout the summer. We'll be getting deep into a lot of awesome stuff. But I kind of wanted to, to step back and look at something from a big picture view. And the reason I wanted to do that is I've been noticing a pattern that if I'm not careful, it can get the best of me. And here's kind of how the pattern works. If I'm not careful, I can start to appreciate, love, and focus on apologetics more than on God, more than on God's word, more than on people. And at that point, something that is good in other areas becomes an idol. And so as I've noticed this kind of tendency in my life to begin to get so focused on apologetics that other things begin to be less and less important, I thought, man, I really got to do a show on this where I talk about the danger of apologitis. Now, before you (laughs) switch the dial, I think that apologetics is very important. I think it's incredibly important. Remember in 1 Peter 3.15, we are told to be ready to give a defense. We're told to be reaching out with the gospel, to be sharing it with a world that desperately needs a savior, and we are to be convincing them. I've talked on the show about how it is a lie that we should not convince people or be convincing, or that if you can convince something into their faith, then you can convince them later out of it. All that's nonsense. We read all through Acts about how Paul reasoned with people and convinced them. We're to use apologetics to defend the faith, to convince others of the truth of who Jesus is and the reality of what the Bible claims and the truth of the gospel that alone is the power of God unto salvation. And apologetics is a great tool for defending the truth of the gospel. So we should all be apologists. In fact, every Christian is called to defend their faith right there in 1 Peter 3.15. Now, I'm not saying that apologetics is wrong, but I am saying if that great tool becomes more important than our purpose or more important than each other or more important than our God, then it's become an idol, and anything can become an idol if we're not careful with it. So I wanted to give kind of a a title to this idolatry that can tend to creep up in the apologist's life, and I wanted to call it apologitis, a disease that afflicts apologists everywhere, or can afflict apologists everywhere. 
In 1 Corinthians 8.1, we are told that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And this is something that I think we have to really get. We can't forget this. Knowledge on its own will always make us proud. Love will build us up, but knowledge will just make us proud if it's left on its own, if it's not applied. That brings us to James 1.22, which says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So knowing without doing also leads to deception. So here's the danger. If I'm increasing my knowledge, but I'm not putting it into loving application, I will become proud and deceived. And those are some of the hallmarks, I think, of apologitis. So as we talk about this disease that can afflict apologists, I want to give you six different keys to diagnosing apologitis. Six keys to diagnosing apologitis. I'll read through them and then we'll go back to each one, one by one, and talk about them. So number one, do you love your perspective more than you love your siblings in Christ? That's an important question we all have to ask. Number two, do you love being right more than those you're called to reach out to? Next, number three, do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? Next, number four, do you love proving God's word more than you love God's word? Number five, do you love proving God more than you love God? Terrifying question. And finally, number six, is your heart consumed with apologetics more than it is with Jesus? If you answer yes to any of those, you may be dealing with a little apologitis yourself. We will get to cures for apologitis before we close out the show, but I want to go back to each of those diagnoses and look at them. So number one, do you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ? I know a lot of you are familiar with some of what's happened. I won't name names here, but there has been a world-renowned apologist who we all love and respect who has done so much for Christian apologetics. He's a prolific author, an incredible man. He's even been on this show, and I love him. Unfortunately, he's also become bitterly opposed to multiple other apologists that have also been on this show and that are also respected around the world and that are also incredible men of God that happen to have a somewhat different opinion than this other apologist does on some very small issues. They're not issues that should divide believers. Yet this one man continually fights them, berates them, and has publicly demeaned them. When you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ, you are showing that you have succumbed to apologitis. John thirteen thirty five. Jesus said that the world would know that we're his disciples by the love that we have for each other. And if that love isn't epitomizing our interactions with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we are letting things that are not important become much more important than things that are important. So do you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ? This is a tragic reality that comes up way too often in apologetics. You know, I've interviewed Dr. Hugh Ross multiple times on this show, he is not the person I was talking about a minute ago when I talked about some of this very public conflict in Christian apologetics. But Dr. Hugh Ross mentioned to me, I don't think this was on the air, that 
Being an old Earth creationist, the young Earth creationists attack him with more vitriol than the evolutionists do. It should not be that way. We should be able to say, look, we're all creationists. We all believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. We all believe that the Bible is the inerrant and, and, and perfect word of God. Let's stand together. Let's debate our in-house topics in-house with love and respect, and let's show the world that we love each other and the gospel that they need to hear instead of fighting each other. I mean, for one Christian apologist to say that other Christian apologists attack him more than evolutionists and atheists, that's saying something, and it's not saying something good. So do you love your perspective more than you love your siblings in Christ? If so, you may be afflicted with apologitis. Do you love being right more than those you're called to reach out to? This is another question we have to ask. When we think about evangelism and reaching out to a very lost world, we can have the tendency to want to prove that we are right at the expense of people and relationships with them. We can have the tendency to be quick to destroy their perspectives, which oftentimes are obviously wrong, but to do it in a way that is not loving and respectful. There have been so many conversations where I have done just that, and it breaks my heart that my immaturity hurt people. I was debating an evolutionist once on a public college campus, and I thought I swept the floor with the guy. I thought I killed him. And a lady came up from the crowd afterwards. There were over 100 people there. And she came up and said, you are brilliant. And I thought, well, thank you. <laughs> you know, I thought I did a pretty good job. And then she told me something I'll never forget. She said, but you're a jerk. I went, excuse me? She goes, you interrupted that evolutionist all night long. So it doesn't matter what you said. You came across to the whole audience as a jerk. And that undermined some really good things that you had to share tonight. I felt destroyed when I heard that. But I thank God that she was willing to be honest with me and to give me that kind of feedback because it helped me tremendously in my own personal growth. Do you love being right more than you love those that you're called to reach out to? If so, you may be afflicted with apologitis. Learn to love people enough to be patient. You might have an answer ready on the tip of your tongue, ready to destroy their wrong worldview. But maybe you just need to hold it for a second and keep asking questions to draw them out, to cultivate a loving relationship with this person so that you can help them see the truth of God's word in a way that doesn't leave them crushed. I would encourage you to get Greg Kokel's book, Tactics. We've interviewed him on the show about that book. You could go to the past shows at godsolutionshow.com to get that interview. But read Tactics to learn how to do exactly what I'm talking about, lovingly reaching out to people with the truth of the gospel. Okay, next. Do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? In 2 Peter 1, 3 through 10, we are challenged with this series of steps where to take growing our character in Christ based in the truth of his word and his promises. But in that context, we are told to make every effort to grow spiritually. I've seen a tendency that we can get so focused on apologetics that we begin to neglect spiritual growth in other areas of our lives. 
It's important to grow in apologetics, but if that's all we're growing in, we are in big trouble. We need to be growing in character. We need to be growing in Christ-likeness. We need to be growing in obedience to Jesus. We need to be growing in our outreach to a dying world. There are too many apologists that know a whole lot of information, but aren't doing anything to reach a lost world with the truth of the gospel. So, do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? If so, you may be afflicted with apologitis. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution. You can go to godsolutionshow.com to find out more about The God Solution. Today we're talking about some of the dangers of a disproportionate focus on apologetics. I've mentioned from the start that apologetics is critically important, both for dealing with personal doubt and for reaching the lost. However, if apologetics becomes an idol in our life, we're in big trouble. I've talked about some of the diagnoses of what I'm calling in this show apologitis. And this is the affliction of being overly focused on apologetics to the point where it controls everything in our life and is even more important than our Savior. The first three diagnoses were, do you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ? John 13, 35 says that our love for each other should define our discipleship to Christ. Next was, do you love being right more than those you're called to reach out to? If we love being right more than people, we're in trouble. I love Jesus' example of how he reached out to the Samaritan woman in John 4. I pray that that would be each of our approach to those that we're called to reach out to. Next, I said, do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? We are called to grow spiritually. That includes growing in apologetics, but it is not limited to that. We should grow in every area of our lives in Christ. The next diagnosis is, do you love proving God's word more than God's word? In 1 Peter 2.2, we are challenged to eagerly desire to crave the pure milk of Scripture. Now, if we begin to love proving God's word more than we love God's word, we are in big trouble. And you could find out if this is the case just by looking at what you read more. Do you read more on apologetics or do you read more of the Bible itself? If you have a couple hours of free time, are you going to look at some apologetics websites or apps or read another apologetics book or debate some apologetical questions? Or are you going to seek God growing in his word? Are you going to commit his word to memory? If you love proving God's word more than God's word, you may be afflicted with apologitis. The next one is, do you love proving God more than God? And this is just, this one hits right to the core. A lot of times it's exciting to give arguments for God, the reliability of the Bible, the evidence for the resurrection, the philosophical proofs of God's existence. These things are exciting, and they should be. They remind us that we're not just believing something because we really want to. This isn't a Santa Claus fairy tale. This is truth. This is reality. So these arguments are exciting. It is exciting to prove God. But you guys, if we start to to love proving God more than we love God himself, we are in huge trouble. 
is my heart focused on God or on apologetics? If apologetics consumes me more than God himself does, I am in trouble. So do you love proving God more than God? You might be afflicted with apologitis. Remember the greatest commandment given in Mark 12 is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So, of course, loving God with all of our mind is important, and that's part of apologetics. But that's not the only way to love God. If we love proving God more than we love God, we are in serious trouble. Okay, the final diagnosis for apologitis is, is your heart consumed with apologetics more than it's consumed with Jesus? And a quick question to ask is, what do you talk about? In Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I talk more about the evidence for God than I talk about my Savior, that's revealing a heart condition that shows a heart that's more focused on apologetics than on Jesus. And if my heart is more focused on apologetics than it is on my Savior, I am afflicted with apologitis, and I need a cure fast. Well, thankfully, we're going to look at some of the cures in just a minute, but I'm going to recap the diagnoses for apologitis. Number one, do you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ? Number two, do you love being right more than those you're called to reach out to? Number three, do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? Number four, do you love proving God's word more than God's word? Number five, do you love proving God more than God? And number six, is your heart consumed with apologetics more than it is consumed with Jesus? If you said yes to any of those questions, then you may need some of these following cures for apologitis. But rest assured, you can't overdose on these cures. These cures are good for everyone, and we should each be cultivating these cures in our lives. So wherever you're at on the apologitis spectrum, Commit to these cures because they're good for our health spiritually in every respect. Number one is balance. You can remember that in Luke 2, we read about Jesus being balanced in these key areas of life. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He grew intellectually and in character. He grew physically and in health. He grew spiritually in his walk with God. And he grew socially in his relationships with others. There was balance in his life that kept him from overemphasis. And of course, he was God in human flesh. So although tempted as we are, he never sinned. But the reality for us is that when we become unbalanced, we have a propensity towards over-focus in different areas at the expense of neglecting others. Okay, so if there's a lack of balance in our lives, we're in trouble. So a cure for apologitis is to cultivate balance in your life. I would encourage you to get a diversity of spiritual food. Diversify your spiritual diet. Read more than books on apologetics. A couple months ago, my brother and I took a three or four day road trip. It was great being in the car with my brother, just the two of us, for that long. And we both love apologetics and we both love God. So we said, let's get some audio books and listen to them the whole way there. And of course, without even talking to my brother... I downloaded all Apologetics audiobooks. (laughs) I was excited to listen to all these great new books on the drive. My brother said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I kind of wanted just to get some books 
that would focus us on God, his nature, who he is, and how to grow closer to him. I think we got a book by Dr. David Jeremiah or something like that, uh, for starters, and it was incredible. But that was very valuable to say, I'm going to diversify my spiritual diet. I'm going to do more than just read apologetics. So I would encourage you to balance yourself, diversify your spiritual diet, and to cultivate all the spiritual disciplines. Learn to grow in areas outside of apologetics. Learn to grow a prayer life that really earnestly seeks God for those around you. Learn to grow a desire for his word. Learn to grow in the area of fasting. Learn to grow in the area of sharing your faith. And on and on and on. Cultivate balance in your life, and you will safeguard yourself from apologitis. Next is fellowship. This is a definite cure for apologitis. I think a lot of Christian apologists like hanging out with other Christian apologists. It's fun to talk about the evidence for God and to do that with someone that can actually go back and forth with you. I love my co-host Grant because we can talk about the cosmological argument or the moral argument or the evidence for the resurrection or what's wrong with the Jehovah's Witnesses or yada, 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 any other number of things, and we're on the same page instantly, and that really is fun. We like that kind of common ground. But if that's all we're getting, we're going to be very one-sided. So I encourage you, reach out to some people in your church, some other believers, that aren't strong apologists. Your knowledge of apologetics will encourage them, but their simple approach to faith will encourage you. Learn to fellowship with believers across the spectrum of believers, and you will avoid succumbing to apologitis. Next, this is a critical cure to apologitis. And that's evangelism. I said before that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, and that James 1.22 says, to be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving ourselves. Well, a great way to lovingly apply apologetics is through evangelism. If you are learning and growing in the area of evangelism, if you're learning to share your faith as a lifestyle, don't believe the lie, by the way, that people aren't interested or whatever. People are. They need a savior. But if you're learning to share your faith as a lifestyle, you will find that sharing your faith safeguards you from apologitis. And you'll find an excitement and an adventure in your walk with God that you never dreamt possible. I promise you, you will feel alive like you never felt possible. There was a student that I took witnessing one time. And that night he called me and he said, I have to debrief what happened today. I said, well, great, let's talk about it. He said, first off, I have never felt more alive in my entire life. Well, he was not succumbing to apologitis. And this student, by the way, was a great apologist that did debate atheists on our campus. But as he learned to share his faith, he was invigorated afresh in his walk with God in a way that just sticking his nose in the books would never accomplish. So I encourage you, cure apologitis by learning to live a lifestyle of evangelism. Okay, finally and most importantly, spend time with Jesus. This is the ultimate cure for apologitis. Spend time with Jesus every day, growing in his word, learning his word, devouring his word. Spend time each day with Jesus Casting your cares and your anxieties on him in prayer. Seeking him about his will for your day. Spend time each day with Jesus just 
meditating and praising him and worshiping him and telling him all that he means to you. As you spend time each day with Jesus, just like Mary did in Luke 10, even when so many other things needed to be done, you will cultivate a deep and sincere walk with God that will surely inoculate you against apologitis. So we've talked about a lot of things today. We've talked about the value of apologetics, but also the danger of apologitis. We talked about diagnosing apologitis. Do you love your perspective more than your siblings in Christ? Do you love being right more than those you're called to reach out to? Do you love apologetics more than spiritual growth? Do you love proving God's word more than God's word? Do you love proving God more than God? Is your heart consumed with apologetics more than Jesus? If you said yes to any of those, I said, you need a cure for your apologitis. And the four cures that I shared are balance, diversifying your spiritual diet, and cultivating the spiritual disciplines, fellowship with other believers, evangelism and sharing your faith, and ultimately, spending time with Jesus each and every day. I promise you, if you do that, you will protect yourself from the dangers of apologitis. In summary, there was a quote I heard once. You know, our ministry raised a million dollars to buy a a ranch, a training center to train people in evangelism and discipleship. And after we got it, we ended up taking years and years and years just to get it functional. And it's only now getting functional. We're going to do an apologetics conference there August 4th through the 5th. You're welcome to join us. Keep tuned in for more info on that. But somebody told us something as they reflected on the many years it took to get the place functional. They said, you don't own a ranch, a ranch owns you. (laughs) And I thought, it can almost be the same way with apologetics. You don't own apologetics, but apologetics owns you. And I think that's the tendency for many things in the Christian life. I want to encourage you, don't let that be true. Cultivate your ability to use apologetics for God's glory, but don't ever let apologetics become an idol in your life. Well, If you don't know Jesus, I assure you that the evidence is overwhelming. And that's why people get so excited and so focused on the evidence. It's exciting. We can know with certainty that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you've never taken a step to put your faith in him, I encourage you to do that today. To say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Please come into my life as Savior and Lord. That prayer is not what saves you. Believing in Jesus is what saves you. But that prayer is a great way to express to him in a relational way that you believe in him. If you've never taken that step before but have today, let me know. Go to GodSolutionShow.com and use the contact form to let me know that you made that decision. I'd love to be praying for you and encouraging you in your walk with God. If you do know Jesus, I encourage you, you need to be sharing your faith with those around you and the evidence for Jesus with those around you. This world desperately needs a Savior. If you go outside of our country worldwide, great things are happening all around as people in the thousands and millions come to Christ. It's phenomenal. I just read an encouraging book called A Wind in the House of Islam last week, A Wind in the House of Islam talking about many movements of Muslims to Christianity. In fact, over the past 1,300 years before the 2000s, there had been only 13 movements to Christ. And in the last 15 years, there have been 69 movements across the world of Muslims to Christ. 
These are exciting times, guys. But in our country, we are losing ground. God's put us here to reach out to those around us. So use the apologetics that you've been learning and reach out to those around you with the truth of the gospel. Go to GodSolutionShow.com to get all of our past interviews and shows, to leave us comments about the show, to give us ideas for what you'd like us to talk about. You could even uh, donate to the show while you're there. You could use the tab to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep the show on the air and even to expand the ministry of the God Solutions Show. So go to GodSolutionShow.com when you get a chance. Well, I always say an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And I want you to know as we close out this show that I don't just say that. It isn't just a, a saying that I like. It doesn't just have a nice ring to it. But I believe it with all my heart. If you really are open to considering the evidence, if you really are honest about what you find, if you really are humble in the face of the truth, and if you search diligently, you will find no other answer than Jesus. Everything points to him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Follow him today with all your heart and share him with those around you. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to The God Solution. We hope that you were encouraged by what you heard today and are better equipped to share Christ this week. You can get the audio from today's broadcast and all the past God Solution shows at GodSolutionShow.com. Thanks for listening and being a part of The God Solution.